0: Hello, welcome. I'm Barry Murphy from PwC, and welcome to this Talking Tax podcast where we're going through discussions on some of the big and thorny issues in tax today. Today's discussion is about Budget 2017. Is it going to be written with cliches about a Chancellor between a rock and a hard place, about how he grows the cake, who gets to share the cake? Or actually, is it going to be a little bit of a forward progression on what we talked about in a previous podcast on better budgets? Is he going to plant some trees for the future? What are we going to find? I'm joined today to discuss the topic by Anna Wallace, our head of politics, and Stella Amos, our head of tax policy here at PWC. Anna, Stella, thank you. Mm -hmm. First of all, Anna, if I come to you, it's the first budget since the general election. We've got Brexit high on the horizon, so we do. And it's the first one where Chancellor Hammond has moved it to the autumn budget rather than the previous cycle. What kind of pressure is he going to be under and what do you think he has to deliver?
1: Well, absolutely, and to add to another one of those sort of cliches that you um, just listed there Barry, I think he's on a tightrope. He's in a very difficult position. Um, Normally this type of budget, so the first one after a general election is probably the time when you get out some of the difficult decisions, when you try and get across some tax rises that hopefully the electorate will have forgotten about by the time you get to the next election. But of course, the parliamentary arithmetic this time and the fact that he's now in a minority government make that a little bit more difficult than usual. And we know that he's in exceptional circumstances anyway. And actually, casting our mind back to the March budget pre-election when the government was still in a majority position, he already found it difficult to do some hard things like increases for um, self-employed people so he's going to be under even more pressure this time to do anything bold I think.
0: Okay so even more pressure to do anything bold there'll be some who say come on cut us a bit of slack austerity we've had enough is he going to really stick to his guns and keep focused on that 2020 deficit target?
1: Well, undoubtedly he's under pressure to loosen the reins, so to speak, on the deficit reduction plans. Um, And there have been some big, big sort of non-Brexit policy issues that have been applying that pressure. So things like uh, will he reverse or demands for him to reverse the 12 billion pounds welfare cuts that Osborne made a couple of years ago, pressure around public sector pay, let alone the contingencies that he needs to put aside for Brexit arrangements. But having said that, I think this is a you know small C, fiscally conservative, fiscally prudent chancellor who will want to put across a, a message of reassurance for the market, not a sort of big, splashy, rabbit out the hat type announcement. So yes, there is some public pressure and that's the tightrope that he's got to tread between responding to public demands for a loosening of austerity, but still remaining uh, sort of true to his deficit reduction plans and resisting pushing out that timetable further.
0: So a conservative, prudent chancellor, but you're all about politics. If you were advising him, what does the public really want? Would they really prefer that he raises some taxes and spends it, or would they prefer he does more deficit? What do you think would play to the public right now?
1: Well, I think opinion polls have showed that sometimes people, um, actually increasingly, people accept that, for example, to fund better pay for nurses, they might accept higher tax rises. But that's obviously always easier said than done and actually when the rubber hits the road and you do the calculations and work out which part of the uh, electorate it is that's going to suffer that's where it becomes difficult and that's what happened to him back in march you know doing something that i think we as a firm would support in terms of the simplification around self-employed versus employed but still very politically very, very difficult to deliver in practice.
0: Okay, so, so it's always winners and losers. How will always winners crumble? and losers. Well, Stella, if we come to you now, you're the tax policy expert. We've heard a bit about the political angle. What do you think he's going to do? Well,
2: as Anna has painted the picture, I think this budget could be truly fascinating because it's really difficult to judge which way he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the tactics deployed by his predecessor, George Osborne, Um, Osborne used to always try to take the wind out of the sails uh, of the opposition parties, try to get there before they could get the momentum going. So this chancellor could try and do that. But as Anna has articulated already, that's really difficult to do. And to a degree, he tried to do that with the the change to the self-employed, tried to address some of those issues. And that, that kind of failed dismally, as we all saw. So I think... If he's going to do it, he could try and get some buy-in and try and do it um, a a little bit at the time maybe, try and make a few changes that could make a real impact. But I think, as Anna said, that's quite difficult to do. I think it will struggle to get the the support of his own party and they're in a very fragile position. So I suspect that he'll try and and do a lot of um, blustering. There'll be a lot of big noises but probably very little in there.
0: Wow, so blustering, maybe (laughs) not a lot in there. That could be true. Um, Particularly if he's trying to guide that path down the middle on a very tightrope, a big tightrope at the moment. I, I can get that. But let's look at both sides of the equation. Let's look at maybe, if he wanted to, where he could raise some taxes before we come on to where he could spend some money. Still, if I come to you first, what might that look like if he wants to raise taxes? Where do you think he would go first?
2: Well, there's different ways the Chancellor could approach this. I suspect um, that he'll not want any great big headlines about big increases in taxes. For all the reasons that Anna's articulated there earlier, it'd be really difficult to get them through and I'm sure that for every one person that will be supportive of a tax raise, there'll be 25 others arguing against it and they'll want to avoid all of that in the current environment. So instead they could look to try and raise revenues in different ways, it, you know, things we've called stealth taxes in the past. There's different ways they could do that. They could introduce to introduce levies levies aren't taxes, but we know that they are. They're taxes by another name. But it is a way of raising revenue without a big headline tax increase um, that will be splashed over the pages the next day. Um, The other way they could try and have a go is to fix allowances. So if they fix allowances when all the other costs go up, in real terms, that's effectively a tax rise. Because you don't get the allowances or the tax relief you might be expecting, but all your other costs and potentially the revenues that you're earning go up, but you get less of a tax break. Break. So you don't, again, you don't get a big headline that the tax rate's gone up and there's no big change overnight, but in effect, a few months later, you'd be feeling the pinch and be paying more tax than you might have been before the budget. So again, I think there are a couple of ways he could do that. Um, the other thing he could do is try and remove reliefs that people get against their tax bills. Now, we don't see that so often. I think the last example I could think of was things like the mortgage rate relief. You know, We used to get relief for mortgage payments and we don't anymore. And I think partly that's because many of those reliefs have been taken away already so I think he was going to try and do it, I think he'll want to avoid the big headlines. And ways of doing that is to raise levies rather than taxes and potentially look at the allowances that are given and try and attack it that way.
0: Okay. So if I was maybe listening to the budget then it's watching out for what seems innocuous but that there's an undercurrent of this is going to cost you money if I'm a taxpayer. Exactly okay. right. But- Anna, what's the political mood like at the moment? I think that's going to get called out if there are stealth taxes.
1: Well, absolutely. You know, of course, nowadays in the sort of uh, modern era, stealth taxes don't stay stealth for very long because you have very smart people like the IFS and you and Stella who call these things out in the public media. And as Stella already alluded, you know, this is a chancellor who needs to maintain the confidence both of the public... And of the House. And even though post general election is normally the time when you make those difficult decisions, again, just to really sort of um, highlight this point, the parliamentary arithmetic. Make it very difficult for him to do anything that's going to punish any single part of the electorate. I agree with Stella. I think what he will be looking for is a um, a sort of piecemeal, if I can use that, not in a derogatory way, but a piecemeal and progressive budget that he knows will secure the support of the House and, in particular, the general public. That's that's his challenge. That's a tightrope that he's got to walk.
0: Okay, and and walking that tightrope, if stealth taxes could lead to that type of explosion, mm-hmm. Stella. What else could he do that might not be as politically unpopular?
2: The other thing he could do is he can target particular parts of the sector to kind of make a a bigger contribution to the tax pot than they already do. Again, this is a a tactic deployed by governments ad infinitum. You know, in in the past, we've seen the oil industry very heavily taxed when when that was kind of making lots of money. And more recently, we've seen the banks kind of be penalised by very high tax rates and um, bank levies as well. So he could target a particular sector. Um, One obvious target that we've seen lots about in the press is, is the digital economy you know we know that EU are looking at that and other parties that's one area he may feel he'll get a broad consensus support for changing the way that that's taxed than to where it is currently
0: are there any other major areas you might consider you know maybe to either of you I've heard about VAT thresholds some bigger headline maybe that's just going to be too difficult for all the reasons you've outlined but do you think any of that type of thing is on the cards this time
1: I mean, as we already alluded, I think I don't think Ch- uh, Chancellor Hammond is a rabbit out of the hat type Chancellor. I think the, the biggest gimmick that he had in his March budget was about a pot of money for a decrepit manor house uh, somewhere in the English countryside. Um, so I think that it will be a much more steady as you go, reassuring the markets about the health of the UK economy uh, in the context of Brexit. And I think that there will probably, if he goes more radical, um, it will probably be in the area of social policy. So perhaps building on the announcements. Well, the industrial strategy, which um, will have just come out a couple of weeks before, building on the announcements at conference around tuition fees and housing. So I think it would be more in the sort of uh, reliefs, as you said, for certain parts of the electorate rather than anything big and shiny.
0: Okay. And on that social policy dimension, which might be no harm, but no discussion would be complete maybe at the moment without some mention of the US and recent US tax reform, tax on business. Stella, should we look out for anything in particular there?
2: Yeah, and again, there's been some speculation as to whether it's right um, in the current environment. Going back to the comments you were making, Barry, earlier about the austerity kind of measures um, to reduce the corporation tax rate here in the UK down to seventeen percent, which has been, um, which is we're focused on um, for quite some years now. Um, There are calls that maybe he should unwind that or slow that down at least. Um, As you say, we saw that the US have announced their measures. They are going to go to a low tax rate of 20%. So personally, I think it would send a very negative signal for this chancellor to therefore start unwinding the approach that he's adopted, which is consistent with what we're seeing internationally. I also think that would send a very negative signal to outsiders looking to invest into the UK. So and again, for all the reasons that Anna has said, I would be really surprised if this particular chancellor decided to make any changes to to that programme.
0: Okay, so steady as she goes there as well. I'm getting a theme. (laughs) Um, A lot of sound and fury, maybe, on budget day. But actually, are there any other areas where he's going to get a lot of pressure to appeal to any particular parts of the electorate? If he's going to give a giveaway, is there anything else that we haven't covered that where you would say that's where he's going to have the most pressure?
2: I mean, I would say the one area that always comes up um, and we've seen it over the last few years is around anti avoidance. You know, just last week, um, we saw measures uh, where the the revenue have published their numbers on the tax gap, and there's still 1.7 billion of the tax gap attributed to tax avoidance. Now, that number is going down and is actually much smaller than some of the other numbers. But it is a theme that we know opposition parties will keep pushing on, and I think that the government have to keep responding to. Now, again, personally, they've introduced a raft of measures over the last few years. I think those should be allowed to bed down. We've got another one coming in the next couple of months. And we still haven't even seen how that's going to work. So rather than deploying resource against that, the government could stand back and say, but hey, there was about 8 billion of the tax gap attributable to errors and mistakes, and 5 billion to evasion. Why don't we put some more money into the resources to try and address those parts of the tax gap and try and see make sure that the ones we've already got in place are working for tax avoidance?
0: But Anna, on avoidance, evasion in particular. Looks like the political climate is absolutely not going to slow down on those measures, despite still best advice. Would, would you agree?
1: Absolutely. It feels like every election, we almost get into this sort of one-upmanship about exactly how much money each party is going to save on these measures, um, sort of question mark about actually, you know, the sort of validity of some of those numbers. But suffice to say, it's going to remain in the political spotlight. And in many cases, rightly so, this isn't going to be something that, we, you know, is suddenly going to drop off the political agenda anytime soon i
0: suspect okay so quite a lot to watch but there might be not a lot happens on budget (laughs) day maybe just before we close with a with a key ask from each of you stella actually does the budget matter that much then who's paying attention
2: well, for, for businesses and for people individually, I mean, people do watch out. Um, taxpayer, individual taxpayers desperately look and see what happens to their tax rate. How much is it going to affect the amount of money they take home? How much extra is a pint of beer going to cost? Those are the kind of immediate headlines we get out of the budget. For business, I think they watch a budget and are interested in it because it sets a tone. We don't quite know what it means for budget, um, for business, until we start getting the detail, and that often comes some time later. But it does kind of send a signal of the direction of travel, the policy into and what it's going to mean for the the broader business environment over the next kind of couple of years as the measures bed in. So, yes, it is important, but not necessarily kind of groundbreaking on the day itself.
0: And hence, maybe no harm that he's not pulling rabbits out of the hat then because it's about the strategic direction. That's what we should watch. I mean,
2: rabbits are a bad thing, you know, Mm -hmm. because rabbits often demonstrate a a lack of policy, a lack of strategy and a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, um, which makes everybody kind of have to react differently. So rabbits are never a welcome thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So... If there was one key ask, very specific ask for each of you that you would have in this budget, what would it be, Anna?
1: Well, I think just to sort of step back in and just consider this budget in the wider context for a moment. So I think this is going to be the first budget, not just in the new cycle, um, but it's going to be the first one where Brexit features substantially in the book. Uh, actually, there wasn't really a lot of it in March, apart from, you know, we know it's coming and we know that it might uh, Uh, impact our growth figures, uh, is going to feature substantially in the book and this is the moment where the Chancellor needs to determine the new direction of the UK economy outside of the EU. This is where alongside the industrial strategy and all the bills that will be presented before the House before Christmas, we determine our future and the future economy, the future shape of the economy, what type of businesses we want to attract, what the environment for business is going to be like. So I want to see, not rabbits, but a strategic direction. So Um, a billboard
0: of Brexit direction.
1: Exactly. Where do we want to be as a nation in five years' time?
0: OK, great ask. And Stella? I
2: completely endorse what Anna has just <laughs> said. I mean, As we've said for a long time, we want much more clarity around the strategy and the policy in that direction. It helps enormously. Um, the other area, I think, goes back to one of the points that Anna was making. I would like to see this government kind of start living up to some of the promises they're making. So I think echoing what Anna was saying about the, the Conservative Party conference and the comments that were made about housing. So trying to address some of those issues, like intergenerational I fairness. See. And I think housing would be a key policy to start making some inroads on.
0: Absolutely. Anna, Stella, thanks very much for that. Thank you for listening and do join us on Budget Day when we'll be able to see if the government has followed some of the strong recommendations from Stella and Anna and I know they'll be keeping a watchful eye and letting you know what's happened and if the government has done what it should do. (laughs) Thanks for listening.